Listening Dog Media. Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next? Last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry, we were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchases, over prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Muddy Knees Media. Welcome to the Offside Rule. It's me, Kate Borsay, galloping into your ears with our latest show. That'll make sense in a minute, by the way. Joining me today, they're under starters, orders. First up, it's our filly of the show. It's Premier League reporter for Charlie Bardwaj. Welcome on many other, of course, stations and uh, broadcasters that you, that you work <laughs> for, Talk Sport, and on it goes. But I think we can officially say that you are an aficionado across Premier League and uh, several other things going on in football right now. Therefore, by default, if we're to continue with this Cheltenham-based theme... Am I a fine filly? You're the mayor. (laughs) (laughs) Right. No more of that now. Uh, Cheltenham is going. You better on. say who I am, just it's in case. Lindsay the, oh, there we go. There we da, go. Da, da. Uh, yes, it's Cheltenham week, uh, and whilst we uh, might be making football shows, that doesn't mean that we can't enjoy some horsing around, does it, ladies? I'm not a big fan of horse racing. <laughs> I have to say, which is Charlie kills something I shouldn't have said just right now. Well, um, that's okay. <laughs> I um, am. I am. Lindsay likes the fillies. Um, listen, we're going to be naming all of our topics after Cheltenham-related, horse-related things. But I do just want to, first of all, talk about coronavirus because everyone's talking about it. And I think it's important um, because it's a big developing story in sport as well at the moment. Yeah, we can narrow it down even as far as football for this mm. podcast and, and the effects that it can potentially have. I know that we've had interesting weeks, haven't we, at work? So just yeah. to say that we're recording this on Thursday afternoon, uh, so a lot may change when this comes out by Friday morning. I'm sure our listeners will appreciate that. But, Vishali, what have you had to come up against uh, this week? Well, I was at Arsenal's training ground and I've been at Arsenal at the Emirates Stadium or the training ground quite a few times since the Olympiacos game. Yes. And, of course, on Wednesday morning when the news came out that 
Arsenal's game against City had been postponed. Yes. I woke up and I was like, hang on, I was like, training ground a couple of days. This is because the owner or the chairman of Olympiacos has got got coronavirus. coronavirus. Also the owner of Nottingham Forest as well. Yes. So we're still just waiting to see whether or not the Mm. games will go ahead this weekend, whether or not they'll be behind closed doors. But for now. You've had to keep your distance a little bit. Yeah, a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. And for now, it's just business as usual, though. Um, So we're trying to still focus on, on, you know, the press conferences tomorrow, but it's hard because you don't quite know what could happen. And business as usual, apart from we have had our first postponed fixture. That was Manchester City against Arsenal, which goodness knows when that's going to be crammed into this already busy schedule. And I think any delays are going to cause a knock-on effect, which then brings us to what will potentially happen here. And this is just speculation. None of this is founded on anything as we record. But it's hard to see past the fact that the domestic season is going to be hard to complete. Mm. There's no wriggle room, so there isn't really much catering in for things like this happening and Champions League Europa League already being played behind closed doors the next step is to postpone completely we've just heard as we're on our way in that the Real Madrid fixture next week yeah, so isn't going to happen so that's with Manchester City so they're affected again in this scenario um, Real Madrid have self-isolated that's why so uh, the fixture with Man City is off uh, as is Juve versus Lyon UEFA are deciding whether to postpone at the moment those games are off now Lindsay in terms of the Premier League, you have an opinion about whether games will be postponed or just simply played behind closed doors. I don't think they will go behind closed doors purely for the fact that the fans and what they bring to those stadiums and for those experiences count so much. If you're looking at Liverpool winning a title potentially behind closed doors, there would be fan uproar. We saw it with PSG and how the fans were just outside the stadium well, you're still instead. Going to, going to get gatherings of fans anyway, aren't you? I but yeah. I have to say, if you use Italy as the example of course their games are going on behind closed doors I don't see how the games can be postponed because where are they going to be postponed to unless the Euros is called off well that's what I think will happen I think the Euros potentially will move to next summer mm. alongside the women's Euros and that could be an interesting thing yeah it could anyway. be particularly as there are home Euros yeah the, uh, and, and they don't need England. to clash there are stadiums being used by, by the women's teams yeah. that wouldn't be used yeah. in the men's mm. um, I suppose there is a debate over Wembley in the finals but apart from that you could get them going concurrently and then you just extend the season so that the Premier League domestic fixtures can be completed with full stadiums and that goes the same for the Champions League and Europa League matches because the further you go down in this knockout contest the more that the home fans can really have an effect I mean if you're talking Premier League Wolves are playing West Ham this weekend and I was hearing on the radio coming in now that West Ham fans believe that the home factor would have such a big part Mm. as to whether they could get something out of that match. So you take away the fans Mm. and suddenly the dynamic changes. Can you imagine a Champions League final without fans? Well, It'd be be crazy to even think how the players could actually get themselves mentally ready for a game of that magnitude. Well, we've already seen... you know, already seen games uh, without fans there, PSG uh, on Wednesday evening. Uh, and of course, in Syria, Cristiano Ronaldo's been um, high fiving imaginary people. Uh, we'll as, see a lot more of that. Yeah, well, the uh, team bus arrived for the game against Inter Milan. Juve arrived, Ronaldo stepped off the bus and was high fiving imaginary people. Uh, he even clapped the imaginary crowd in the stadium. <laughs> he's as well. staying in Portugal now, by the way. He's announced that he's not right. going back to Juve at the moment. And then the other bit of news that we haven't discussed is that Leicester have revealed that they've got three players that are being monitored that have been showing showing symptoms symptoms of COVID-19. Chelsea training today, that's Thursday, wasn't held. It's expected to be held tomorrow, but someone close to the squad is the line has presented.
presented with symptoms. Um, no conclusion as to testing yet. So La Liga, the Eredivisie, Liga Nos and the MLS are suspended. Uh, Le Keeper reporting uh, that UEFA will make a vote. So they're set to vote on Tuesday on whether uh, what the situation is with Euro 2020, basically, whether it will be postponed to 2021. Uh, the Wales versus USA internationals postponed. Denmark. Uh, Denmark expects mm. uh, the England match to follow suit as well. What I didn't know is that Vishali is well ahead of the curve <laughs> when it comes to <laughs> self-sanitising and to cleaning yourself down. Which uh, is true. Against and, harmful and I, germs. Yeah, and I've got an empty Carex complete packet in front of me <laughs> as I explain this story. We are looking story. for sponsorship at the moment, Carex, <laughs> if you're listening. I do love these little wipes. Um, yeah, so basically, I, I come from a family who are clean freaks. I mean, I've, we've got Dettol spray in our house. We all sanitise. We, we... She's brought a Dettol spray in with her today. Oh, I, I bought it from my home because yeah, my local no, stores right, are you all... You just bought it in. You do basically, <laughs> yeah, basically take it everywhere with yeah, you, don't yeah, you? Yeah, basically. As, as, <laughs> and, I, as um, I came yeah. out the tube just... There's, there's a chancer at the top of the escalators saying two lots of uh, bacterial thing for, for £10. Oh, £10, can really? you imagine? Oh, my yeah. God. Really? And what I didn't know is that, Vishali, also, you um, sanitise your phone. My phone and my your... MP3 player yeah. as soon as I get home. This I, is a I daily thing, regardless daily. of coronavirus. Yeah, and, I'll, and also the bottom of my bag, when it when it's on the floor on the tube, that, is that a really has good to point. be cleaned. As in, because then I put it on my, my bed, I put it, you know, <gasps> you might... You, don't know where you might put it and you just oh, think no, all those germs on your bed no way so yeah that, that gets cleaned as soon as I get home Vashali will <laughs> outlive us all how about the Drink bottom of your measures. shoes I do spray my shoes with <gasps> Dettol spray oh my God, this is amazing information um, but not really the bottom I wipe it really well on do the do you rug. take off your shoes as soon as you get into the house yeah so yeah. I don't really walk around my yeah, house with my shoes on really <laughs> any other measures what about if your what about if your hair touches something um, I, I just wash it again Okay. <laughs> I'm laughing, but you know what? She's, she's going to be, she's gonna be around yeah, a lot longer than us. But <laughs> now longer. everyone understands why I do it. But in the past, people have not understood one bit why you know I used what? to clean my desk down, spray everywhere. They just thought Militant I was a weirdo. about hygiene. <laughs> um, producer Ben here at the uh, Totally Football Network uh, is also very into hygiene as well and says he's he's having the time of his life because at last people <laughs> are revelling in hand sanitizer, hand gel, alcohol wipes. He's saying, you know... They're washing their hands finally. It is, <laughs> it is the new normal for us, but producer Ben and Vishali have been doing this Absolutely. for ages and they're feeling like everyone's joining their club. Is it going to reach the stage of Naomi Campbell for you, though, Vishali? No, I won't be boarding a plane with a... Um, a full hazmat a, on. Yeah, no, I won't be. No, that's not going to happen. I, have, I haven't bought any sort of face mask yet either. Well, they don't really work, no, to be honest. So, yeah. Only two days ago, I still saw a car pulled up in the hard shoulder, man outside, having a wee. Aww. See, those are the people spreading it. <laughs> Okay, but was he just having a wee into the ground? I mean, I mean he, wasn't, exactly. he wasn't spraying But we people. can't just pull over, can we, and drop our kegs? We can't do it. So I'd, if, if anything good can come from this. It's about hygiene, it's about containment, and it's about decency of your Lindsay Hooper. All right, uh, let's progress with the show. Coming up this week, uh, we're, of course, going to continue with the horsing around theme. We'll be talking stewards' inquiry and raising our eyebrows at players uh, who've double teamed in derbies plus our punters' picks on the celebrities who've got themselves involved in football. Um, But as ever, our reminder that you can catch up with us on Jack Radio every Friday from four o'clock. You get our show, but you get music as well. Great if you're out running 
by the way, might I suggest. This is The Offside Rules with Kate Borsay, Lindsay Hooper and Bashali Badwaj. Let's go front runners then. This is, of course, influenced by the fact that Liverpool are in the position when they could win the title as early as Monday. That's if Manchester City lose to Burnley on Saturday. So let's take a little look at examples in uh, football history where sides have won in record time. Um, by the way, if that happens, if City lose to Burnley, Liverpool would win their 19th title on the 16th of March, so eight games to spare. Even if it takes Liverpool until the Crystal Palace game on the 21st of March or at City uh, on the 5th of April, this will still be an English record. So it looks likely that Liverpool will set an English record uh, for winning um, the title the earliest on in a season. Some added value as well if you're a Liverpool fan, if you potentially could win on Monday in the Merseyside derby if City slip up. Yeah. (laughs) For <laughs> Charlie, give us another example. Um, so I've picked the Arsenal Invincibles in mm. 2003-2004. And the reason is they won it with four games to spare. So it's not a record. No. Um, you know, Man- Manchester United won it with five games to spare uh, in 2001, which I'll come to later on. But for me, the reason why this was a great story was because they won it at White Hart Lane. So the home of their rivals. <laughs> nice slice um, of They irony. didn't win the game. It was a, it was a draw. It was a 2-2 draw. Uh, they were close to winning the game. I think it was Robbie Keane penalty that um, denied them the win. But because of results um, earlier on in the day, they, they won it. And there's this in, like, really famous picture of Arsene Wenger holding his hands up with his back to the Arsenal fans. And there's a banner in the background just above, conveniently placed just above his head that says Arsene knows or something like that. And it's just like, it's an iconic, iconic picture yeah. of him at White Hart Lane celebrating yeah. a great win. And of course, we they went on to Arsene knows best. That's uh, according to producer Abby. Absolutely. Still hasn't forgiven <laughs> Arsene Wenger. And, and that was the second time that they'd won it at White Hart Lane. The Premier, well, not the Premier League, but the English top flight, yeah. top flight title because they won it in 1971 as well. Ooh, so, yeah, if you're lucky. an Arsenal fan, I'm sure you'll remember that for, for two reasons, not mm. just one. <laughs> Lindsay, what about you? Rubbing salt into wounds. <laughs> Absolutely. We will go on to Manchester United in a minute, but Lindsay, do you want, do you want to chip in with your Yes, one? I'm going to go abroad. I'm going to go to France. And you may recall a few seasons ago, it's 2015-16, when PSG went and broke a record, a record that had been held by Gerard Houllier at Lyon mm. because in 2007, they won the Liga title with six games to play. The Liga what title? The Liga. Oh, okay. The Ligue 1 title. Yeah. I'm going to come to you for another French pronunciation Lindsay's in a French, by the way, is an ongoing joke on this podcast in case you are, you, are, but, you are new to us. So why do I keep picking French examples, but I do? But anyway, um, PSG, the reason I, I did choose this one, so they won the title pretty much to this date. So it was 13th of March 2016, eight games to spare, and they won in stars. So the last game where they clinched the title was against, and I'm going to check my French pronunciation here, uh, Troyes. Troyes. It's not a number for Charlie. It's not. I'm not asking for three. It's T R O Y E S. The team Troyes. I think it's just Troy, isn't it? Troy. 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 Perhaps. Anyway. Anyway, they beat. They beat Troy or Troyes. (laughs) Nine nil. Nine, Nine nil. nil. I can't remember that game. I mean, these are sorts yeah. of results that are a one-off. Mm. I mean, how much did we go on about it in the Premier League this year when Southampton were mm. beaten by Leicester? Nine nil. I mean, it it took up column inches and space for weeks and weeks. That's how they did it in style. And uh, Zlatan Ibrahimovic scored four goals in the match. It included a nine-minute hat-trick. It was also their fourth successive title. So you'd think expectation... 
They've got that out the way. Yeah. Champions League, they're going to go all the way. Yeah. No, no, no. 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 Manchester City stopped them in the quarterfinals of the Champions League. They couldn't get past English opposition, beaten 3-2 yeah, on hangover aggregate. time for PSG. I'm going to chip in uh, with interests north of the border. Celtic, 2016-17. It could happen again this season, of course, as well. Brendan Rodgers, in charge of the club, led them to a historic treble, capped off by the fact they went the whole season without losing a game in the domestic league and cup competitions. They finished a remarkable 30 points clear of second-place Aberdeen. They clinched the title with eight games left in the season. I think I'm yet wow. to find an example to beat that. So eight games left. Well, on PS- the... PSG was eight. Oh, sorry. <laughs> I wasn't so listening, was I, properly? No. It doesn't beat it. It's true. It matches it. It's true. It <laughs> matches it. Second uh, of April, they did this on. Uh, it was the uh, earliest uh, win or the earliest conclusion of who'd won the Scottish League Championship in 88 years. Wow. Vishali, you mentioned Manchester United and this is, in terms of the Premier League, Mm. until Liverpool come along, this is at the moment the top record. I think this is the joint top record, isn't it? Yes, it is. With City. Um, But yeah, in 2001, they won it at Old Trafford. Um, They beat Coventry 4-2. But the, the interesting and slightly funny thing was obviously that because they didn't actually get... Uh, awarded the title as it were late until later on in the day because they had to wait for I think Borough to beat Arsenal. Mm, I remember. This. I think most of the fans had actually left Old Trafford, so the fans weren't even inside most of them to celebrate them becoming <laughs> champions. But I think there was a story where Roy Keane was asked uh, about celebrating, and he said, "Well, now we're thinking about Champions League." So they didn't really have time to celebrate yeah. it because they had to think about the Champions League after that. See, when we're <laughs> chatting to players and you're sitting down and you're asking, you know, how do you want to win the title? Part of me thinks that the answer truly and honestly must be at home in front of your home fans. I think, so. I think it would be. But they would it? never say that now. It's just like, as soon as possible, we just want to get it done. Job done. Yeah. But if you could, but could, if you could orchestrate scenario. it, yeah, yeah, if you could. Well, I was at um, the Hawthorns when Chelsea won it against West Brom when Batshuayi scored that 82nd minute goal. And I remember, like, they obviously would have wanted to, to have won it at Stamford Bridge, yeah. but they didn't care when they won it, they no. just had this sense of relief and they went absolutely mental. And they were celebrating, they were drinking all night. You could hear them from the away changing room and they were just having the times of their lives. Sure if you're so were. far ahead, though, as Liverpool are, are you going for a joint record of winning it as early as possible? Or do you think... You just oh, want to get I the think, job done again. Yeah, I think with Liverpool, I think that whole sort of talk about the records, and I think that was really weighing on their minds. I think now that that record obviously has gone because they lost to Watford, uh, the invincible record obviously matching it, I think they just want to win it now particularly given that they've been losing of late. Mm. Just a nod to the championship here. Reading in 2005-2006, they uh, won the title on 25th of March. They then went on to achieve a record points haul of 106 points in Tier 2. So that was the earliest that we can find. I remember that season because Kevin Doyle was in sensational form. We bought into Wolves and then he didn't. He was was quite good for us, but not as good as he ever was at Reading. Well, we'll have to wait and see when and if Liverpool will get their hands on. Of course they're going to do it. There's no if. But anyway, when... Yeah, yes, exactly. Unless, as producer Abby's pointed out, coronavirus puts pay, which would just be, I mean, as a Liverpool fan, how long do you want to drag this out, folks? Uh, for nothing well, no, else the worst than our nerves. Oh, come on. Like The worst that could possibly happen is that they just say, right here, right now, We're let's just stop, stop it. it. Yeah. So but that's not going to happen. It's more going to affect the relegation places. places. Mm, yeah, mm. true. Uh, so anyway, uh, we'll have to wait and see when uh, Liverpool win that Premier League trophy. But with a Merseyside derby around the corner, it's time to talk about some players who've donned the shirt for both sides. Mm. 
So lots of derbies going on this weekend. This is Steward's Inquiry, by the way, because does something need to be investigated? Is this behaviour out of order or not? Uh, there are several examples, aren't there, of uh, players who've played um, for both rival sides. Um, just of note, by the way, we've got a West London derby in the Championship this weekend. That's Brentford versus Fulham. And I don't know if this is a Birmingham derby or quite how you class it. West Brom versus Birmingham. You're the expert here because it's not a black country derby. No. Oh, no, it's not. No, no. no. So Birmingham how would you is not it? in the black country. No. <laughs> so you just class <laughs> My it a face. derby. Well, well, no. So you West, Midlands. West Midlands derby. West Midlands derby. OK. Um, and the biggest derby of all on Sunday, Rangers versus Celtic. That's still on at the moment. We've got the Merseyside derby on Monday. So what about players that have played for both rival teams? Who are some of the people who've been at risk? enough, brave enough <laughs> to wear the shirt of both sides and uh, upset fans thoroughly. And can we ever forgive them for Charlie? So I've gone for Sol Campbell, quite a famous example, yes. obviously spent nine years at Spurs. Um, and the story of how he joined Arsenal was quite an interesting one, because obviously I think Spurs had offered him a massive contract to stay on at the club. I believe it was, I think it would have made him the highest paid player at the club if he had signed it. The most famous thing about that Sol Campbell story is, of course, that we knew that Arsene Wenger was going to be unveiling a big signing, but no one knew who it was. Yeah, journalists thought it was someone completely different. And I think Sol Campbell had actually said the season before he left Spurs that he would never play for Arsenal. I'm sure there's a quote out there where he actually said it. Um, And then, of course, he he is unveiled as an Arsenal drama (laughs) as he was unveiled and there was a collective intake of horror in that Um, press conference room. And, of course, Spurs fans, you know, they labelled him Judas. I think that's something that you know he's probably heard a lot of times since then but you know it was it was a good time for him at Arsenal I think he won two Premier League titles he was part of the Invincible side as well so he obviously went to win the Premier League title and he got to achieve that so I suppose if you're a fan you know it's hard if you're a player you've got to think about your career what you want to win and the opportunities that are there and of course for him he probably thought well I can say in London as well but mm. it is it's tough isn't it to join your arch rivals I mean uh. you know have the fans say all sorts of things about it's you, brave. but you just have it's to take indeed. it, don't you? Yeah, and and uh, and, and I'm sure did. that he wouldn't wouldn't have regretted his decision afterwards either. I'm sure people listening have got their own ones, and we'd love to continue this conversation and hear from you on our social accounts at Offside Rule Pod on Twitter if you've got any. I was trying to think of the rivalry that's perhaps one of the worst in the world. What what could be the ultimate bad move? It has to be in Scotland, doesn't it? Doesn't it have to be between Celtic and Rangers? So uh, Scotland striker Kenny Miller did this. He played for Rangers. He left them to come and play for Wolves in 2001. And then after his stint with us, as people know that I'm a Wolves fan, went back to Scotland to Celtic in 2006. So he had a club break. He had a club break in between. He didn't go straight from one to the other. But still, to go from Rangers to Celtic, and he was only there one season at Celtic, but he did help them win the title. He also helped them win the Scottish League Cup. So he will go down in their history. Mm. And you can't think that many players have been on both sides of that divide. What about a player who went from Manchester City to Manchester United and then back to Manchester City? 
Dennis Law is who I'm talking oh, about. Yeah. This is a really famous example. But I wanted to bring your attention to um, this happening way, way back in the early days. A player called Wilf Woodcock um, played for Manchester United from 1912 to 1920. Uh, the First World War interrupted that, but he then went on to sign for Manchester City from 1920 to 1922. And in those days, Manchester City, for the most part of that, was the bigger club. Do you know why I mention this? Because you're related. He's my great, great uncle. Oh, wow. Yeah. So this is... This this is my only claim to football fame. What a great story. So let's that is. roll it out for this one. <laughs> So, uh, yeah, born in Drawlston. So he came from Greater Manchester and a lot of my family are still based up in Manchester, actually. And there is apparently a fair of pair of football boots knocking around somewhere and there's a trophy also that my uncle has. Um, there's also a story about him throwing some of his memorabilia into the Mersey. Oh, um, but I don't know too much about him because um, a lot of information on his club career is, is, is held at Manchester United where, where he spent most of his career and there was a big fire there which put pay to most of this. But there is Why a few did he throw this memorabilia into the Mersey? I don't know. I've, I've I've honestly no idea. Because speaking of throwing things, I wonder if it was related to Derby-like things. You know that Luis Figo, because he he played for Barcelona and then joined Real Madrid. Yeah, Famously had the pig's head (laughs) thrown at him. The question I always had about that incident was how did someone get a pig's head past the steward? Don't ask. Plastic, I mean, how do you do that? A big bag. coat, plastic bag, and a coat. Yes. Didn't a pregnancy, smell it? a fake, Didn't a fake sm- pregnancy, beer belly, more like the, the dead pig's head <laughs> hidden away. So yeah, that's my little tribute to great great uncle Wilf. Uh, played for United um, and then on to Manchester City. Oh. He was a forward. He also played for England as well. But he is literally my only attachment to football glory. It, it's a the, pretty good attachment, though. Yeah, I have to say. Yeah. yeah. At the same time as him, there is um, quite a well-known Manchester United manager. If you're a big fan of the club called Ernest Magnall. Um, he, at the same time, managed United and then went on to manage uh, Manchester City. He's, his win rate makes him the third most successful Manchester United manager of all time. And he sort of goes down in folklore in Manchester because it's thought that it was him who was the instigator behind United's move to Old Trafford. That happened when he was there at the club or just after um, and City's move to Main Road. Uh, Brian Clough, that, that rivalry between Nottingham Forest and Derby and then to have an actual road, Brian Clough of way mm. named after you because you've done both. I love these stories. <laughs> There's so I many. Do, I do feel like it's becoming increasingly common where players now are going to rival clubs because I think that we've seen it, for example, David Louise last summer, yeah. um, which shocked Chelsea fans, but they were like, well, you know, I think it's becoming common and fans are beginning to understand it a little bit more. Yeah, uh, when it Olivia comes to money, really the other way. Yeah, when it yeah. comes to money and also, you know, certainly the clubs London clubs, it yeah. kind of feels like uh, the work of Gallas and Ashley Cole and Sol Campbell yeah. cemented uh, cemented it being okay. Between Manchester clubs, I don't think it's still okay. No. If I'm if if I'm honest, uh, we've got to move on though, girls. We're going to go to punters' picks. Now to end the show, we wanted to shed some light on celebrities who've turned their hands, sometimes successfully, sometimes not, to football ownership or having a stake in a football club after it recently emerged that George Clooney was apparently interested in buying Malaga FC. The current owner bought the club for €36 million, but at one point was asking €100 million for the club. Some some inflation there. Um, So I'd just like a few of these fairly briefly. A-listers involved in football or with a stake in a football club team. So my pick is a cooking A-lister, Delia Smith, yes, um, who I loved when I was growing up. So I'm, I'm quite a keen cook. I'm trying to improve all the time. And I obviously I watched her growing up. Um, I've you got know, you I've, down as more of a Nigella fan. 
No, I got, I got no, different you know, I, I like looking at every everyone's sort of recipes okay. and you know picking and choosing basically. But I did quite like Judy Smith, and still the sight of her at Norwich City Games. <laughs> still, I don't know for me, it's still a. It, interesting sight because I've associated her so much with cooking yeah. that I find it still so interesting to see at a football game. Yeah. Um, but of course she does. Um, she's the majority shareholder at Norwich. She is. And um, I've met her at Norwich and it was... It took, oh, have you? It took, it took all of my being not to not to do the famous Delia Smith. Come on. <laughs> she's, she seems so lovely. She, she seems so lovely. And I do love it though when she when Norwich win or score a goal and she goes absolutely bonkers. It's great, it's great to see. It is it? great to see. She was their saviour as well. Well, this is a club that were moments, hours even, from from folding. And she came in as a majority shareholder. And where the club's come to now, Absolutely. from her point of view, not a bad business move, I'd, I'd say. I think so. And they are struggling in the Premier League. They could well go down. But they play great football. They've got a good infrastructure. She's been there before, though, hasn't she? Where yeah. the team's been relegated. And, you know, to her credit, she has mm. been in ever-constant. Lindsay, who, who are you going to throw at me? Robbie Williams. Purely because I was a huge Take That fan back in the day day and his boyhood club were Port Vale and many people for years at the height of his fame as I was going to see him in different concerts Port Vale were going through a bad spell and they were saying when is Robbie Williams going to rescue us Um, well he eventually did step up it just took till 2006 so he'd been going Mm, some time mm. at the height of his fame before he did but he did stump up £240,000 worth of shares to make him a majority shareholder at the time that's before the club went into administration in 2012 and he had a restaurant named after him if you go to Vale Park there's a Robbie Williams restaurant is there Mm. now Um, there's a famous well there's probably a couple of Wolves examples but I'm thinking Robert Plant and Led Zeppelin he is is an honorary vice chairman, is he now, mm. for your club, I think. When I was looking into this, I saw the most excellent piece of television ever where he'd obviously, he was basically talking about his attachment to Wolves and there's this sort of early 1980s uh, TV clip with some really bad puns from the TV reporter and Robert Plant telling us about his attachment to Wolves. He's got a whole lot of love for the boys in gold. If I wasn't a Wolves fan, uh, I'd probably support three kids and... Uh, Five grandchildren and a lot of happy women. Elton John and Watford, mm. another another famous, famous example. example. Um, LeBron James as well became a part owner at Liverpool back in 2011. Uh, he got a 2% stake in the club when his marketing firm agreed a joint venture with Fenway Sports. Um, according to Bloomberg now, his $6.5 million stake now worth around $32 million. Loads okay, and yeah. loads as well of NBA stars are investing yes. in MLS clubs because yes. it, it seemed to be that soccer's on the rise there and it's a good way to invest money. Also, Salma Hayek's husband, I believe, owns Wren or definitely did own Wren okay. in France. I don't know if he still owns it, but that was that was quite an interesting sight, seeing her at games in, in the league uh, games. games. Yeah. Oh. So that was quite an interesting one there. That one wouldn't be a bad spot, would it, from the I crowd? I'm, sure, I'm sure people were always there. <laughs> I'm not sure how famous he is, though, being Salma Hayek's husband. It's, it's, no. It's... Well, I've, I've called him Salma Hayek's husband. I don't actually know his name, so it probably says... <laughs> it's OK. Lot. You know, George Clooney's wife is often in the papers. Um, despite... Apparently he's called Francois-Henri Pinot, uh, producer Abby yes, says, and he still um, has um, an ownership stake he in does. the club. Okay. OK, let's move on to any other business. 
with coronavirus taking up the news cycle, as we record this, so Thursday, Boris Johnson's just said this, we're considering the question of banning major public events, including sporting fixtures. So at the moment, they've not really moved on from that. If they're considering it, then that's not a huge development. But with COVID-19 dominating all of the sporting headlines this week, it's possible that you might have missed a few smaller but still worth a mention stories. Lindsay, have you got something to bring to the table this week? Yes, because you can end on a positive. Yes, (laughs) I have. Yeah, I I would love to think that this is the most uplifting story. I would love to see it in the Premier League, in the EFL, maybe a couple of weekends or fixture weeks uh, per season. This would be a great thing to do. Uh, In Chile, did you see that there was a club called Colo Colo? I did. And they had mascots. They led dogs out onto the pitch that were up for adoption. So you could see the dogs and then hopefully they would get a new home afterwards. Yeah, My heart melted. This is a club (laughs) in Chile that have done this, but let's bring it to England. Talking of England, um, just a quick word on the Lionesses, England women. Their defence of the She Believes Cup in the US has ended in defeat. That's seven losses in 11 for Phil Neville. Um, He has said he understands if people question his position, but not great going at the moment for the Lionesses. US soccer, I'm just going to continue on a women's theme for a bit because this storyline is just so incredible in this day and age that I can't not mention it on this show. Basically, US soccer has just said that male players are more skilled than the women players. The sports governing body is arguing, in their defence of not giving equal pay to the women, they're arguing that women's soccer players don't deserve equal pay because being a male footballer, I quote, requires a higher level of skill. This is the one country where women's soccer is bigger bigger than men's. It brings in more revenue. It, it's just and they're more successful and they're more successful let's just throw that in they are world the cup winners again exactly uh, it's mind-boggling I think that's absolutely mind-boggling I think it's called clutching at straws I'm, I would be astounded if they did not win this case it's just it, that a national federation a national body comes out and says that in this day and age is it's just heads blown for me but Charlie anything you heads spotted? blown or heads gone <laughs> heads well either either I suppose heads gone and heads blown all of it, all over the wall. Mind's blown, <laughs> head's blown. That's head's what gone. I mean. Is, this is just Kate's actually worse than me. You mean, there's mind's blown and head's gone. If <laughs> I want to amalgamate the two, I can. I feel that uh, US soccer's <laughs> outrageous quotes, that their, their outrageous defence uh, is worth everything. Uh, one more to finish on. I'm going to come back to coronavirus. Diego Costa. We watched this before the show, we didn't did. we? I mean, come on it. So he was at the game on Wednesday night uh, in the Merseyside um, crowd as Atletico Madrid, as we know. Dramatic extra time win over uh, Liverpool to dump them out of the Champions League. What did Diego Costa do afterwards? Uh, he pretended to cough on journalists as he left Anfield. <laughs> It's just but not funny. I'm not surprised. So I mentioned that that win for Chelsea, the Premier League title win at the Hawthorns. And the things that Diego Costa was doing, I have to say, which I'm not going to repeat because I saw them firsthand. Go on, go on, Vishali. I mean, there was a moment with a fire extinguisher. He, so we were trying to conduct the post-match press conference with Antonio Conte, who'd been stolen by Costa, Louise and John Terry. And we had to finish it off in this random little room that we had found. And he picked up a fire extinguisher and threatened to spray it, uh, to spray it all on us. 
because he wanted the, us to finish it off quickly and they wanted to go home and keep on celebrating. Um, but it, it was actually a really hilarious sight, but it just showed just, it just how... just shows his level. He's just a yeah. big joker. So I'm not surprised he did that. Joker, I would debate <laughs> whether whether coughing is funny or not. But, oh, yeah, you know. Yeah, yeah. Uh, okay, all right, ladies. Uh, that is it for today's show. We're going to draw things to a close. Remember, you can get in touch with us at Offside Rule Pod. That's on Twitter and on Insta. And please do leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. In fact, we've... We have a few reviews to read out, actually. Perhaps we'll try and do that next week. If you want to leave us a review, we're going to give you a mention next week. So can you make sure it's nice, please? Uh, five stars uh, all the way, please. Plus, we have a website, offsiderallpodcast.com, the latest weekend wanderings. We've also got a profile there on Jude Bellingham as well. So plenty to come uh, on the website. Do check it out. Lindsay and Vishali, um, where are you heading next? I always ask this question, Lindsay. Are you on Wolves duty? No, I'm at Luton for the BBC this weekend. I've filled in my form to say that I haven't been in contact with anyone, so don't breathe on me. Surely, <laughs> I'm covering Tottenham tomorrow, building up to the game against Manchester United. The Tottenham on Friday. Friday. Yeah. All right, well, enjoy your games, listeners. I hope you've enjoyed the show, and uh, we'll see you again next week. The Offside Rule is a Muddy Knees Media production. For sales and advertising, email sales at muddykneesmedia.com. Hello listeners, I'm Caroline Barker, host of the Totally Football League show. I'm joined each week by Sam Parkin. Say hello, Sam. Hi, Caroline. By Adrian Clark. Say hello, Adrian. Hello. And the Bolton Wanderers fan too. Not Adrian, but Joe Criddy. Looking forward to League Two? Yes. <laughs> each week we go headfirst into the EFL to bring you the latest from the pitches to the next crisis to whatever Ian Holloway has said now. From Leeds to Luton, Sunderland to Plymouth, Swindon to Stevenage and everything in between. If it's the EFL you want, we've got you covered. Haven't we, Ollie? Just a spoonful of sugar helps the medicine go down. <laughs> Your guess is as good as ours. That's the Totally Football League show out every Wednesday. In the most delightful way. It's brilliant. I just love it. Muddy News Media. Sports Social Podcast Network. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.